0: Before I read today's quote, I wanted to take a minute and mark a milestone. This is episode number 50, and if you've been listening to this podcast for an episode or many episodes or haven't been listening for a while and have picked it back up, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule with the hundreds of thousands of podcasts that exist in the world today to listen to this one. And I hope you find it as fulfilling to listen to as I do to create it for you. So let's get to today's quote. Quote. What we perceive with our focus, we receive in our experience. If we perceive the suffering of the world, we receive the experience of it. If we perceive the joy of our loved ones, we receive the joy of it. As observers, our experiences are shaped through the power of our focus, even if we are not directly in the path of the event. End quote. And those words are from writer, poet, and philosopher Emily Marushin. Emily is an author of many books, including Fragments, In Case Nobody Told You, 30 the process of I, and many others. She's also the founder of Marutian Entertainment, which is a multimedia company that proclaims themselves to be producers of empowering and uplifting materials through books, courses, movies, and TV shows. In researching for this episode, I did all kinds of reading and exploring online, including reaching out to the author, who was gracious enough to respond. And you'd be surprised, but in the fast-paced world of today, it's not all that common for people who have very busy schedules are maintaining their own businesses, and producing content the way that Emily is, to reach back out. And so I am extremely appreciative of her for providing some context and color to this quote today. And as I explored online and did some digging, Emily has a an Instagram page, which is excellent, as well as her company's webpage. One steadfast theme that I noticed in exploring her posts on Instagram, is positivity. It was safe to say that every time I visited her website or Instagram feed, I left feeling a little bit better, and it's a pleasant surprise to see that. There's a lot of content that you can find online that is less uplifting and less exciting. But that was not the case here, and I'm, I would direct you, if nothing else, to her Instagram page to see some of the things that she puts out into the world, because it is. There's a mark of positivity to it. And it's not the, the false positivity or the masking positivity, the necessarily feel-good stuff. But even though some of the things that she writes are challenging to think about and challenging to internalize, the, the net effect of feeling good after leaving someone's page like that is, is refreshing. If you look at her page, you'll see that quotes abound on life and struggle and healing and health and hardship and we all need that because we all experience all of those things on a regular basis. The world is challenging, and Emily, through her insights and thought and writings, puts out into the world a set of positive vibes that even if you never read one of her books, which I encourage you to do, or only visit her website one time, which I encourage you to do, I think you'll find yourself better off than when you, when you first visited. And that right there alone is is an admirable trait for anyone who's producing content that goes out into the world. And much like any poet, we've talked about this before in our explication episodes and some of the other episodes, multiple passes over the same material are sometimes needed for some of the things that she writes to truly absorb their value. And that's remarkable in its own right, that somebody can create something that, as I talked about in the most recent Robert Hayden episode, are uplifting. And valuable and beneficial on first pass. One one read through of a quote by her is enough to take something away from it. But if you go back and you read again, and maybe read it again, takes just a few seconds, you start to tease out a little bit more value from that than just what's available on its face. So let's do that here. I'm gonna read the quote again and listen to the things that she talks about. Here's the quote one more time. Quote: What we perceive with our focus, we receive in our experience. If we perceive the suffering of the world, we receive the experience of it. If we perceive the joy of loved ones, we receive the joy of it. As observers, our experiences are shaped through the power of our focus, even if we are not directly in the path of the event. End quote. And the line that stands out to me the most in a quote like this, or in this particular quote, I guess, is, As observers, our experiences are shaped through the power of our focus. And I've read this quote dozens of times at this point. And that line always jumps out at me. It makes me say, whoa, wait a second. The, the as-observers part of that is something that really got me. Because observation is what we do with the world. It's how we take in the world around us. You've probably heard the old, the old saying, it goes something like this, we have twice as many ears as mouths, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. And that's true. And whether no matter how verbose you are as a person... You're always taking in far more than you're ever putting out. We have far more tools in our toolbox to absorb than to create. And we observe not just with our eyes, but also with our ears. And there's something about recognizing that we are primarily, in this world, observers. Every moment of every day that is not spent creating something, and even many that are spent creating something, are also spent observing. You see things everywhere your eyes look. There's no avoiding that. You can't just shut that off. You can close your eyes, but even if you close your eyes, your eyes are still looking for content. They're still looking for something. You can feel them move under your eyelids. If you watch somebody with their eyes closed, if they're not asleep, you'll see their eyes are still searching. They're still looking for input. They crave input. They crave something to observe. So too with your ears. You can't just turn your ears off. Turning your ears off is even harder than turning your eyes off. There are no ear lids that, that close that shut off the world. Sure, you can put on noise-canceling headphones or put in earplugs, but you're still going to hear. That system is always on. That observation tool is always functioning. And as such, we take in huge amounts of data and input every single day, every moment of every single day. And what we observe, as, as Emily points out in her quote, what we observe shapes us. It affects us. It's part of the reason that it, that I that I create this podcast is because what I am trying to do is put out into the world something that makes you think, makes you appreciate, challenges you, pushes you to be a better version of yourself because that's what these words do for me. So recognizing that we have eyes and ears and and you can include touch in that as well. If you've ever if you've ever hugged someone who's going through a tough time and you felt them, crying, felt them sobbing. You know what I'm talking about when I say your hands can be observation tools as well, but your primary observation tools are certainly your eyes and your ears. So it's absolutely important that we recognize those observation tools for what they are and that we use them appropriately. Like any tool that you have in a toolbox, in a drawer somewhere, on a shelf, if you don't use it for the right purpose, it's never going to be as effective as it could be. And that, I think, is what Emily is getting at with a quote like this. And because we're such observant creatures in our day-to-day lives, both with our eyes and our ears, there are various entities around that want that attention. They want our focus. And you can see this, the, the easiest example of this is any type of social media. If you ever go on to Twitter, for example, you can scroll endlessly through Twitter. One thing that Instagram does that I think is interesting is once you reach the end of all of the recent posts by people that you follow on Instagram, it says you've reached the end. You you have you're all caught up, I think is the exact phrase that it uses. And that's interesting, but it still allows you to keep going. It tries to cater content to you to keep you on the platform. Twitter does the same thing. Twitter wants you to endlessly scroll, right? Endlessly look through the comments and the replies and the replies to the replies. Those are all vying for your attention. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can find a lot of very, very high quality content out there going through and doing things that way. I appreciate the efforts that some of the social media companies go through to try to curate content that I'll be interested in. Google does this as well. I mean, all of the major companies that have online platforms want your attention. Why? Because your attention generates clicks. It generates continued reading. It generates, there's a clock running every time you jump onto Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. And when you pause and hover over a post to read it or a video to watch it, you're sending a signal that Facebook or Google is receiving that this is something that is at least interesting enough for you to not have just scrolled past it. So then you see more of that content and more of that content. And there are various anecdotes about how this works You can talk to, you can hear people interviewed who've talked about how they worked for these companies and they are deliberately attempting to steal your focus, to steal your attention because every moment you spend on Twitter is a moment you're not spending on Instagram. Every moment you spend in your Google News feed is a moment that you're not spending on Facebook and vice versa. So they want your attention and they play to our very basic desires and interests in order to do that. And what Emily is saying in a quote like this, I, I would venture to, to guess, is that we need to be in control of that focus. Not always. Certainly there are times where you want to kind of get lost in something. You know, you've got a free moment, you just need a break, and you just decide to scroll through some things. You've got a couple of minutes, you're just trying to kill some time, take a breath, take a respite from your workday, from your family, from whatever's going on in life. And you don't care that somebody is leading you through a deliberately built algorithm to get and keep your attention. But if that's your entire existence, if that's all you're doing all the time is being led from one news story to another, one inflammation to another, one Twitter comment to another, and that's that's your entire existence. Well, maybe you're missing something. Maybe you're missing out on an opportunity in life to better control what's coming into your eyes and into your ears. And if those companies can garner your attention and keep it, then they can influence what you think, or what you say, what you do, how you spend your money, how you spend your time and attentions, etc. So the question before us today is, do we want someone else dictating to us how we think and speak and act, or do we want to have control over that ourselves? And now many of us know That we or other people have fallen prey to what a term that I like is predatory attention seeking, where someone wants you to spend time on their Instagram feed. If you've ever, Instagram is a good example. If you've ever seen a picture on Instagram and you've opened up the description of the photo and you scroll through and maybe there's a line at the very beginning and then there's a series of vertically stacked, either dashes or apostrophes or emojis or whatever, and you have to scroll through all of that to get to something else in there. And then you maybe scroll some more to get to the rest of it. Rather than put that all into one neat paragraph that you can read in a couple of seconds, now you're spending time sitting there scrolling through that description just to get to the meat of it. That's deliberate, right? That's somebody who is leveraging the Instagram algorithm that, again, has a clock on you when you spend time, when you spend five seconds on a post instead of one second looking at the photo, liking or passing and moving on, you're telling Instagram that you like that person's content. You're more likely to see that content the next time you come around. You're telling Instagram that you like that type of content. So even if it's not that person, it's content of that type that you will see more of in the future. And that can be good and bad, but understand that you are potentially if you're not being cognizant of them, making deliberate choices about this that you're potentially falling victim to somebody's predatory attention seeking behaviors. And so I when I when I emailed Emily, I had hoped to have her on the podcast and our schedules just didn't sync up for this to happen this time around, but as I said before, she's got a plethora of content that she's put out and her books are chock full of interesting and thought provoking and and fantastic quotations that certainly can be the topics of future episodes and I hope to have her on then but we weren't able to make them make our schedules work for this particular talk but I asked her to give some background on the quote a little bit because the quote stands alone right I think it's the it's it's eloquently said but the point is very obvious right what we choose to take in what we perceive whether we are in control of it or not shapes us if we take in misery and anger and fighting and bitterness all the time there's a good chance that we're going to be angry and bitter ourselves if we take in joy and happiness. That's why people follow on Instagram. They follow um, you know people who post stories about their dogs on Instagram. You see the videos. Um, I enjoy them myself, watching somebody have a good time with a pet um, because it brings joy and it makes you happy and it gives you that that little dopamine hit that makes you feel good. So choosing to focus your attention on joyful things, on joyous things, can yield Good results in your life, being led down other paths, and and cable news is a, is a great example of this. And I again, this is not a political podcast; it's not intended to be. And I so I don't really care which news station we're talking about here, but pick one, anyone, it doesn't matter. You'll notice that a lot of their content is deliberately inflammatory, and it's usually deliberately inflammatory because that's what elicits a response from us. Fear and anger are strong motivators for people, and if a news station that is has a business model built around 24-7 news coverage can get you angry, can get you riled up, can get you fired up, give you a couple of sound bites with which to you know use as ammunition for your day's arguments on another platform, and then come back later for more. That news station has now captured your attention, and they're forcing you, more or less, not forcing, but they are playing to your human tendencies to elicit a response from you such that they are controlling what goes on between your ears. We call it living rent-free between someone's ears. You've let somebody get inside your head, and they get to live there rent-free. They contribute very little, but they have an outsized amount of control over what you think and say. And so when I emailed Emily originally about this, I asked, first and foremost, is this your quote? Because it's one thing, and I've talked about this before, it's very easy to find quotes that have somebody's name splashed on them, But unless I can find the original source document or video or speech or what have you, I remain skeptical of the the efficacy and the the originator. So I reached out and I said, hey, Emily, is this, first of all, is this your quote? And she responded that it was, which was good. And part of the reason that it was difficult for me to find is because it wasn't in one of her books. It wasn't something where I could go and look at one of the excerpts from one of her books and find this particular quote. This was actually in response to a reader's question to one of her books. So a reader who had read about her book, The Process of I, and that's the letter I, had reached out to her and asked her a question. And this was part of the response that she gave to that person. And she put this out into the world because it, I think she thought it was also particularly profound. And clearly it resonated. Of all the things that Emily put out into the, has put out into the world, it was something that grabbed my attention and made its way into my quote book. And it's something that I think about. It's something that runs in, a, in the background of my mind as I'm giving observation and focus to other things. Her response was interesting. Um, she gave some some color and some context to this, and I again, I'm appreciative of that. But she said something that stood out to me. She said that we have internal experiences about the external experiences of others. And if you think about that, that makes perfect sense, right? Because we can't see what's going on inside someone. Even the best and most eloquent speakers can't give us a full play-by-play of what's going on inside of somebody. So what we observe in other people, and we observe constantly like I talked about before, those are external experiences for those people. The person who's carrying a bag of groceries that breaks open and falls on the sidewalk, that is an external experience for that person. That is what we observe about what's going on in that person's life. That moment of that cringing moment, that moment of anxiety, that moment of, of fear, that moment of exacerbation is an external experience for that person. But it creates in us an internal experience. We experience that moment of recognition that, oh, that could have been me. I, I know how that person feels. And maybe we run to their aid and we help them. When we see a, a child with a rock in one hand and a, and a dandelion in the other, and that, that feeling of joy to them. They're, they're outwardly expressing their joy to the world. Not deliberately, not for other people's entertainment, but they're happy. And that creates in us a sense of happiness, right? If you see a child, a young child sitting on the ground somewhere that has picked a dandelion and thinks it is the most fascinating thing in the world, you can't help but feel a sense of joy at that individual's joy as well. And that's what Emily's talking about here. If we surround ourselves and, sur- and allow our observations to be deliberately manipulated, or we choose to focus our attentions on the negatives in the world, we internalize the negativity. We take that negativity onto ourselves. The inverse of that is that if we perceive joy, if we deliberately observe and deliberately focus on joy, we ourselves become more joyful. You can do, and, and you can use that for any range of emotions. If you would like to become more intelligent, surround yourself with intelligent people. Focus your attention on people who are smarter than you are. Learn from them. Grow from them. This is why gossip and backbiting and all of those things are so so dangerous. Because if they become a routine and regular and constant part of our lives, they don't create a better version of us. We don't become better versions after a gossip session, right? We are slightly less good than we were before that. And we all do it. I, I do it. We all engage in gossipy behavior, backbiting behavior, angry behavior. And it's part of the human condition. But the point of this quote, and I think the point of this entire episode, is that we get to choose that focus. Which external experiences of others do we choose to observe and focus on such that we have our own internal experiences? So every day, every observation that we're having has a corresponding effect to us on the inside based on what we're seeing on the outside. So the question today as we close is where are we focused? Did we choose or were we led to focus on a specific thing? If you want to test this theory, and I encourage everybody to do this from time to time, take a thing that you find yourself focusing on a lot. It could be a social media platform, it could be a Google News Feed, it could be a particular news outlet, whether that's in print or on television or both and cut it out of your life. I think the magic number is probably 48 hours, maybe 72 hours for 2 or 3 days. Don't go there. Don't go to that website, don't turn on that news channel, don't open that app. 2 or 3 days nobody will miss you. You'll you'll be fine. We we will get through this. And see what effect it has on your life. If you're not doom scrolling through Twitter or angry posting on Facebook for 2 or 3 days what happens to your disposition what happens to your life where's your where's your your headspace probably for the first 24 hours or so you'll you'll feel compelled to want to be there you'll feel like you're missing something you'll have that fear of missing out or the fomo that that people talk about but i think what you'll find is after 48 or 72 hours if those things were not positive impacts on your life your life will be better now if they are positive impacts on your life taking 2 or 3 days off may leave you feeling a little drained In which case, maybe you've found that that's a positive impact on your life. But if you can cut those things out for two or three days and you find that your life is better, maybe that's not where you should be directing your focus. You can choose to. Certainly, it's your choice, and I'm not here to tell you how to live your individual lives. But if you've seen the common theme that comes from this podcast, and that is being better versions of ourselves, then maybe focusing deliberately on things that bring joy and happiness and mental stability and well-being to us is where we should focus our attention. And Emily used a phrase, and I'm going to close with this today and let you think about it for yourselves. She put it to me as, do I want to accept the invitation, right? If we believe that there are people who are deliberately seeking our attention and trying to get us to focus on things that are going on with them or their news channel or their social media platform, it's an invitation. You don't have to accept it. So ask yourself today, do you accept the invitation? Do you choose to focus and observe? And if you choose to focus and observe, why? That's the question I'll leave you with today, listener. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod, send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com, find me on Instagram at quotationspod, or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.